You are listening to the Roberta Glass True Crime Report, putting the true back in true crime. From New York City, Roberta Glass is now on the record. Okay. Welcome. We are live. I'm here with William Ramsey of the William Ramsey Investigates podcast, a probably favorite guest, most returning guest on this podcast. We've done probably, I don't know. What do you think, William? How Over many? 40. We're, I think we're at almost 45 shows. Yeah. This is like 46 <laughs> or 47. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> you're like 5% yeah. of my show. Yeah. So and we're going to talk about Adnan Syed, where, how we got here, the upcoming hearing next Thursday, and you know some of the some of the less discussed aspects of this case and the media reporting on it. So welcome, William Ramsey. Thanks for having me. It's great to be with you again. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I was trying to read through your stuff, your social media. I was listening to your other podcast. You've done this uh, kind of smaller, twenty minute shows so i was listening through those why he's actually guilty and mm -hmm. i was i said you did a four-hour show on the press conference so that's why i kind of wanted to talk to you and pick your brain about what's going on because it's in the context of obviously this whole like prosecutorial nightmare that's happened in this country where they're like mosby in baltimore and just all the other soros prosecutors are, are uh, destroying these cities and i think kind of undermining the rule of law and i think Adnan Syed is one of those. I titled this uh, on my, this was restreaming on my platforms, uh, Adnan Syed and the quest for injustice. Like they're actually like the most horrible <laughs> thing. And I was looking through your stuff and saw the, the picture of Amy Berg again, who pops up in the West Memphis Three. So having even an overlap with the West Memphis Three is uh, disturbing. But like, what are your thoughts? Like you've read the Intercept stuff. You've saw the the whole press conference. Like, what are your thoughts? The press conference was when was that? Was August? When was it? No, the press conference was not this week, but the week before Monday. Of course, it wasn't that far. So, no, it was in his home, right? Like he had a whole PowerPoint and all that stuff, right? Yeah, and he did it in his mother's daycare in his home. Yeah. And then he announced to everyone, I know everyone's asking where my father is. I, so far, nobody up to that point had asked anything. And he's like, my father is just too sick to be here. Too sick for poor, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I'm very sympathetic. My father got sick when I was a teenager and died before I turned 21. So if anybody's going to be sympathetic it's going to be me but to put that out and that was a constant th refrain of from adnan in this press conference please pity me feel sorry for me uh, he went on about how prison my mom didn't know whether i would be alive in a supermax prison the violence was so terrible and i thought to myself Heyman lee's you sentence Heyman lee's family to a life sentence of grief and you're talking about how your mother doesn't know if you're going to be alive the next day 
Heyman Lee's family wished they were so lucky to have Heyman Lee still in a super in a supermax prison and be able to see her and and talk to her and hear what she's doing. It's not ideal. No one would wish it, wish it for themselves or their loved ones, but it's not being senselessly murdered. Right. Right. I mean, he's in there. That was He's playing the total victim, right? I mean, he's uh, playing the victim card. How long was the press conference? He's not playing it. He says it. He says it straight out. The press conference was little under two hours, but he also took questions. And I believe that was maybe five, like 10, 20 minutes. And, but a lot of, a lot of the press had had enough by then. I only saw that on a, um, at least one one other station had the question and answer period. Most of them stopped after two hours. They're like, we'd heard enough at non Syed. We've we've heard enough. And and I also learned that I've been mispronouncing his name all this time. But frankly, the only name I care about <laughs> pronouncing right, his last name, is the victim's name. So I'm like, right. you know what? I I I've it's I've gone too long calling him this. I can't even readjust and change. But he does say at one point, he says, the most the part that made me almost spontaneously combust was the part where he says Steve Kelly, who was young Lee's, who's came in his brothers. So the whole Leaf, he really represents the whole Leaf family, but he was a he was hired by Young Lee at the last minute to represent him. And you can hear my interview. It's in my serial and Adnan Syed playlist i'll try to put it in the description of this video after after we're done i'll do the same here in that in that in that that interview how quickly everything was done and that is part of the reason his conviction got reinstated is that it violated maryland's victims rights statute they they told him on a friday that the hearing was happening on a monday and that he could meaning Young Lee could, Heyman Lee's brother, could attend. This is Becky Feldman, the assistant state's attorney, which is the same as an assistant DA. They just have a different word for it there in that state. That Becky Feldman, who came from the Innocence Project, told him that he could watch on Zoom if he wanted to. Not like we have a victim's rights statue in this. You have a right to be there. And she's like, let me know if you want to watch on Zoom. So when I look at that communication, what I think is that they realized it was he was going to be the problem in that hearing for them. That's why they maneuvered him not to show up. Right. And he was. He was a problem on Zoom for them. If If you're Team Adnan, just imagine, you have Sarah Koenig on the courthouse steps. You have Amy Berg on the courthouse steps. You have all the Innocence Project clinic students who are Erica Sutter, who's Adnan Syed's lawyer. You, they, uh, she runs the Innocence Clinic, right? <laughs> Baltimore Innocence Clinic. And the... The filing that the 
state's attorney filed in this reads like it was written by Erica Sutter's Innocence Project clinic students. It is so rough. I mean, it's so, it's barely literate. It's not, le you know, it's not the usual legalese and sort of smooth talking. I don't know what, you know, you know what filings look like. This was all like, I don't know. It, I don't even know how to describe how it read. It read like maybe a seventh grade paper on new suspects in the, in the Adnan Syed murder of Heyman Lee case. That's what it read like. It read like a, like a seventh grader wrote it. And the new suspects that they had, okay? So they had DNA taken from the bottom of Heyman Lee's shoes, not on her feet, just in the back of her car. Then they point the finger at Mr. S in Serial, the guy who likes to run around naked hmm. with not much of anything to attach him to it. And then thirdly, they have a... So if that doesn't blow your mind and makes you think Adnan's innocent with those two amazing pieces of evidence right. that like mind blowing on the bottom of Heyman Lee's shoes. We're in Bob Ruff territory, right? Right, right. Which is, as others have pointed out, is a exercise you do when you take forensics classes. You test the DNA on the bottom of your shoes to show you how much DNA you one picks up at a time. And the third around, thing... Right. Right. The third thing was the prosecutor's notes from a witness. And the witness was Adnan's mentor, Bilal, who's in prison now for his own kind of, what's the nicest way to say it? Cosby-ish dental, put that in a dental setting and right. make the victims male um, right. crimes. <laughs> that's the best yeah, way I can put it. That's very polite. That's really good. Right. Not not so, to say that he was drugging and raping them, right? <laughs> Thank you. Right. Right. <laughs> Just, right. Forget it. <laughs> I think that, and that was actually right. in, in court, right? That was not mm -hmm. my opinion. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so, <clears throat> so his ex-wife describing what she, Adnan Syed's menacing behavior towards Heyman Lee before she was murdered. So one of the new suspects is Adnan Syed himself. And the other is the DNA on the on her shoes that were just like tossed in her car. And the third is Alonzo Sellers, who the Mr. S, who with not much of anything. Like no one thinks that. Even like the most devoted free and non support, you know, supporter. Isn't going to think that Alonzo. I've not, I haven't run into anyone who th really believes that Alonzo Sellers did this. So that was so it was an absolute fraud upon the court. But what really reversed the decision was the fact that the three of them, meaning Becky Feldman, who's a former defense attorney, she's the assistant DA. She comes from the Innocence Project herself. Met with Erica Sutter and Melissa Finn, the judge in an in-camera meeting, which is secret meeting. It's in the office, and, face to face. Right. Yeah. No record of it. No record of what was said. Why they'd want to have that kind of meeting is anyone's guess. For people who feel like the fix was in, like me, I, I think it makes a lot of sense that you don't want any record 
of what was said in that meeting. And when Monday rolled around, when Young Lee asked for the hearing to be delayed an hour, uh, a week, I'm sorry, an hour, a week, excuse me, he, they all said, no, no, we can't delay this a week so you can be here. So really what the, went all the way up to the Supreme Court and they said like, no, you have to reinstate the conviction and this has to be a do-over. And the way the press was saying do-over, I was thinking, oh, it's going to go back to the circuit court. It's going to be the same players. It's going to be difficult for Adnan because now the evidence is going to be discussed. So if I can stress anything for my audience, so many of these quote unquote, wrongful convictions are overturned in these kind of hearings. And I don't mean related in how the victims were treated. I just mean in that the DA is somehow on board. Everything gets rubber stamped. There nothing, none, the new evidence never gets discussed or like, for example, I had a guest episode on Johnny Lee Bates was a case in Georgia this guy was so guilty and they tested the ties. He, he said he was a maintenance man and got entry into a, a woman's apartment and tied her up and killed her. And they tested these ties after they'd been passed around the jury many decades later. I mean, and there wasn't his DNA on it. And they bullied this DA, female DA, into relenting and letting him out on that. On this, just because it what because there was a lack of lack of his DNA, and right. you can so listen no to that. DMA, no DNA right. means you're not guilty, right? Just like the West. And it was just rubber stamped. So, so yeah. many times. For example, I'm also talking about making a murderer, and that first um, Stephen Avery's first exoneration, which I really think that he did it in that first. Uh, attempted murder case. Now they like to call it a rape case. Why do they like to call it a rape case? Because it because if you call it what it what he was charged with, which is attempted murder, attempted kidnapping, it looks like he's a criminal who's gaining gaining intensity, gaining sophistication, you know, and that's what he did in prison. He not only confessed to the attempted murder of Penny Bernstein, and there's a lot of other things you can listen back to my episodes to find out what else. But a inmate heard him and gave a sworn affidavit that Stephen Avery confessed to him to doing this in prison. But none of this was discussed. It was all rubber stamped. All of a sudden, this hair with a root appears that right. they never wanted to test till way late in this case. They Instead, they asked to test the DNA under her fingernails. Strangely, uh, DNA consistent with Stephen Avery was found under that, but we know consistent from the West Memphis three case that could mean a lot of people, a hair consistent with um, Penny Bernstein was found on Avery's clothes. So there's a lot of really sus stuff in that. And if you read the decision that rejects this new DNA evidence is exonerating from the courts, they discuss his alibi witnesses all being, you know, debunked, like on the stand. So, you know, it's interesting that these things are given such weight when oftentimes they're just rushed through court. 
really. And I always say, oh, everything's pondered over in court, but not so much in these hearings. They're really like, if the DA is on board, they are rubber stamped. This new evidence is never discussed. And that is one element of innocence fraud that repeats itself no matter what state we're talking about. Right. It's incredible. I mean, the Stephen Erger thing is incredible because she Bernstein picked him out of a lineup twice. You know, right. so it's like it right. he didn't and, look like the so-called other guy. So making a murder came out right at the beginning uh, with just a bunch of baloney, in my opinion. Like that was just off the charts because it right. it made him a sympathetic figure right off the bat. Like, oh, he was unjustly, you know, thing. It was the same thing as the West Memphis Street, unjustly convicted. Yeah. Right. No, I, and, I, yeah. And Laura Riccardi comes from this movement and she must have been very upset to see Wisconsin's first exoneration case be, be such an embarrassment that within a couple of years, he's already reoffended in a horrific way that worst way possible, you know, right. That right. In the worst way possible. So I believe that it's not just to sell this idea because wouldn't that make you think, Oh, maybe he was guilty. What happened the first time? But instead, here she comes to proclaim not only his innocence in Penny Bernstein's case, but in the innocence in the murder of Teresa Hallback. So, and I think convicting a murder, one of my issues with it is that they that they're totally on board with the idea that the first conviction was wrongful. And right. what they're basing that That's on, I, I don't really know. They just they just keep saying it's a wrongful conviction. He was wrongly. Well, tell me why. And I know you have that hair, but at the same time, this is what I've heard. I don't know. I can't obviously prove it. But at the same time that Avery was a, a Innocence Project client, Gregory Allen was soliciting the Innocence Project to help him exonerate his cases. So I don't know. Yeah. So for people who don't know, I'm basically saying, I'm basically saying, was there a conspiracy with a hair with a bulb on it? And why, if you have a hair on a bulb of it back when they asked for the DNA scrapings to be tested under Penny Bernstein's fingernails, why from that, why, why didn't they ask for a hair with, you know, a root on it? Why wouldn't they ask for that? Why would they want to do the fingernail scrapings? I mean, that's just so rare to get back. And back then, that's the only way you could test a hair. Now we can test it without the root. But back then, you couldn't. Right. Now, the the original assault was 1985. So it was way back. He was 23 years old. But that guy's history is really bad. Mm -hmm. And for people who don't know, Making a Murder came out uh, 2014 or 2015 on Netflix. But then a newer... One just got dropped by uh, the director is Rec, R-E-C-H. I interviewed him, and his 10-part series is called Convicting a Murder, and you can watch that on... Uh, Daily Wire Plus. Daily much. Wire Plus, yeah. Thank mm-hmm. you. So just for people who may not be up to speed, and you can listen to that interview on uh, William Ramsey Investigates if you want to. But yeah, but the parallels are, you know, the kind of innocence fraud parallels are off the chart. Right. And now Michael Griesbach, who was a aspiring DA, like, you know, a very ambitious man at the time. He said he took two days to look at the evidence against Stephen Avery and this new DNA and rubber stamp and exoneration. 48 hours. 
So I, you know how long it takes to go through these, <laughs> these oh, four transcripts. Yeah. I think longer than two days. So, but it, 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 he sits on the Wisconsin innocence project. Now he's fully on board with the movement and, and, uh, I'm just saying it benefited his career to, to do that. Right. Do that. And that was a huge, the, I mean, nobody the, could argue the, with that. And one other, other thing I'm going to say is that he, it seems like this <clears throat> idea that Penny Bernstein said, I got a really good look. I, I just told myself, remember his face, remember his face, remember his face. And yet she got his eye color wrong. She said, Stephen Avery had brown eyes when he had blue eyes. Now, I don't know if she's supposed to be, looking gazing into the eyes of her attacker like a lover but okay but michael griesbach would bring this up in his book as a talking point like well well gregory allen's eyes are brown they're not brown they're blue so she got it wrong no matter who who attacked her and his mo was to hide his face that's you know, I have a lot of reasons why I doubt it. It started with a gut feeling and then I just sort of, you know, went into it. From what I know about these, I think it's just very odd that his doppelganger would be committing this across town. You know what I mean? Right. No, it's very odd. I mean, unusual. I mean, unusual things can happen, but. But these guys are all the same. They all play the victim. Avery, Eccles, Adnan Syed. They've kind of mm -hmm. got the, you can just. It's important to look at these other innocence fraud cases because you just see the same, you know, mo, the same layout, the same blueprint of trying to get these get themselves out of jail. Right, uh, right, so. right, right, right. So, but, so his hearing is next week, and that, I mean, you, you, there's so many, there's so much proof of guilt. I don't know if we want to belabor people to go through that, but you know, this the J. Jay Wilds, is, uh, you know, was on the stand, right? Just telling the whole story. Told right, he, and he, his story is backed him. up. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, no, go ahead. Yeah, his story is backed up by by cell phone pings, by Jen, who helped him get rid of the shovels. What else? He told the police where the car was. You can listen, and I did a 10-minute episode, a little less than 10 minutes this morning where I go through all my reasons why I believe Jay and why it, why I think he's more trustworthy than Adnan. Adnan's been described as a masterful liar. And I think that that's a good description of him. He, he has and a very the jury jury was unanimous, right? I mean, they unanimously convicted him. So they believe wilds too, right? Yep. Yep. I mean, you know, one of Adnan Syed's points was, well, look at all the good rulings I had from these different judges who that I deserved. They didn't say it was an in, he said he was innocent. They said he deserved another trial, meaning something was done like it's a technicality is my point. But Adnan Syed nevertheless went through all of the good court rulings. He had a PowerPoint presentation. William Ramsey. <laughs> for yeah, this yeah. thing and uh, by the way i just want to mention the podcaster down rabbit brought mm -hmm. up the funniest thing is as he's giving this press conference in his mother's daycare he's sitting in front of a book that says i belong in a zoo i believe something like that some oh, kind of geez. children's book like that oh, so no. just to add to the 
hilarity uh, and ridiculousness of it. And he's sitting there without a lawyer. But all his good rulings came after serial. Every single one of them. Right. All after 2000. I think the first one started 2016 was his first good ruling. I may be wrong on that, but that's my memory. All right. So serial has been out almost 10 years, 2014. So that will tell you what a podcast can do. Right. Is, is put pressure on the courts from the outside. And that's why they keep going to these same formulas of podcasts and documentaries and going to the court of public opinion because it works. And when you see, and when you see a bunch of people celebrating on the courthouse steps and the formally convicted murderer or the murderer who's had their conviction overturned walking down the courthouse steps and everyone's hugging them and elated, you want to believe that they're innocent. You don't want to be the, who wants to be the naysayer? Who wants right. to be the odd man out to say, oh, well, gosh, this doesn't look good. Oh, put him back in. It, it really, you really, it, that kind of feeling really comes from knowing something about the case. And most people don't have the time to read the transcripts. They know what they've heard. And Sarah Koenig, to listen back to Serial Now, just even little things, like she's talking about the, meaning she's so, not even biased, she's out with a mission to make Adnan look innocent, to raise doubt for her own for her own, I would think her own career and, and the amount of listens, because who's going to listen to the 12, one episode one through 12, if you already think he's guilty, right? Not many people. So 100, the- 100 million downloads by 2016. That is extraordinary. Like she made bank off of that. I can Bank you. a Peabody Award, oh. and she's ne- and never done it again, which I think is interesting. Ne- as far that as I know, so she's just like, done. Oh, actually, actually I may this, and someone may have said, you know, you're wrong. She may have taken on another case like this. I know she looked at the justice system going around from court to court to state to state, and that wasn't really popular to say how terrible it was. Even, even our public that always seems to be hungry to hear the story that our justice system is terrible. We're in on that. We're, we're down for that one. Right. No, it's interesting. Yeah. She, uh, so I think it was a spinoff of this American life. That's what, that was how she came up with cereal. Like I yes. don't know who owns it or whether she had to, whether she had a hundred percent ownership or something, but. And that's wow. what you, and that was one of Jay's issues is that she never said this is serial. She never said it's a podcast. She talked about a documentary. So she may have been thinking about a documentary in the beginning. Remember, Rabia mm-hmm. Chaudhry, Adnan's advocate, saw the West Memphis 3 documentary that Amy Berg did, right. West of Memphis, and that Damien Eccles, the twice convicted child killer, yeah, child produced. Killer. And thought, oh, we could apply this to Adnan's case. Like she recognized, I think, this is my view of it. She recognized the fraud right away. And like, oh, we could repeat this. This is how it's done. Mm -hmm. Right. West of Memphis came out in 2012. I can't believe that's over 10 years ago. Wow. I actually went to a theater and watched that. I was just like, oh, this is a joke. But the ending's really important. Good. Because he's like, all I ever really wanted 
was to be the greatest magician that ever lived. Like he literally admits <laughs> that in the end of West of Memphis. Like, okay, yeah. And anyway. you were saying that, I mean, what is that? The, I mean, that is just like basically to me saying like, I, I have no morals, my will on, on the whole world. Absolutely. No, absolutely. 100%. The, the, the philosophy of like magic and things like that is you're at the center of the universe. You're hyper selfish. Like you're trying to get power, money, sex, whatever. You know, that's kind of like the whole magical worldview. It's not like we're all in this together or some kind of communitarian outlook. It's the opposite of that. So by admitting to that, it tells you a lot about those, you know, those people and what they're up to. But it also kind of confirms people's, you know, people who know they're guilty, their suspicion of what really was going on and, and uh, the involvement of the occult. I mean, that's already should be easily established if you read my book or just read go to his you know social media it's pretty apparent what's going on yeah what i mean what clues you off that's i mean he's not subtle about it but are there more subtle signs that someone's into the occult i mean you know i think that just words who they admire tattoos like he's got eccles has it all other people maybe it's not as overt but you know, it's kind of like birds of a feather who they hang out with. Kind of, it's kind of telling. I mean, it's hard to, I, I don't know if it's easily discernible, but, you know, I think that mm -hmm. you're definitely in the underground, like the occult underground. Uh, people who are like that are probably reading pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> when you're calling Genesis Peoria, Genesis Peoria, your mother, yeah. a man who was in the process church, your mother, you're in, you're in trouble i would think but yeah it, i would think that's pretty weird. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah you're even in a movie with him right genesis peorge who has he's really kind of one of the first trans humanist transsexuals really yeah Take i actually breasts. went to that right i went oh, to that yeah. because i was like i just it was so weird i went to the opening of that documentary about how he was getting all this plastic surgery to look like his dominatrix wife yeah, who passed away or whatever yeah. yeah passed away and i mean the you know the word on the street at least in new york that was that they were heavily into to, to drugs but i don't know if that's true or not yeah i'm not surprised right. wouldn't be surprised at all but yeah i mean this whole adnan thing is just you know it's back in the news they they know how to get into the news cycle right do you agree with that? Like for, this whole well, for sure. But what was interesting <clears throat> about this press conference is Still where right? were the usual cast? Of, yeah, where were the, I'm just thinking, where were the usual cast of characters? It was Adnan alone. There was no Erica Sutter, his lawyer. There was no Robbie in front of the cameras. It was just his mother sitting very stiffly on one side next to his brother and Adnan sitting on a sofa and Adnan sitting in a chair separate. And, and he kept saying, Oh, that Steve Kelly wasn't, didn't inquire about his family and how much his family suffered. Steve Kelly, the lawyer for the victim's family, Heyman Lee's family didn't inquire about his family's suffering and they've suffered so much. He said, wow, that's crazy. That, I mean, that's just is the stuff that makes me, when to spontaneously combust. Yeah. It's just so enraging. And the fact that the media came out of that press conference, and I understand that it's a different kind of journalism that they just have to say who, what, when, where, but like 
like it had any merit. You know what I mean? Like any of his claims of prosecutorial misconduct and the fact that he that he's so resentful that the Lee family, if the Lee family had a little help writing a brief. Now, I don't know what the legal implications of that are. If the attorney general's office can help them write a brief. I don't know if there's any kind of law against that. But certainly. He was let out with the whole help of the. Baltimore Innocence Project, you know, Innocence Clinic, those students. And I mean, he had so much more help. And then he refers to the state as having infinite resources and infinite money. I mean, just they project onto other people everything that they're doing fraud, endless resources, uh, absolutely, meaning that it's not equally balanced. He has so many more resources than the state. And the, as far as money to spend on this case and people and to say that the state is really like the man and that they, they can do anything and he can't is ridiculous. But Robbie also yeah. likes to say that too. Why is she still, <clears throat> why is she still, is she still involved in this? Have you seen her around recently or did she drop off and go do something? Oh yeah. No, she was doing all the interviews. She wrote a book. She's treated like gold and, when you know how she acts, getting her enemies, getting their their sponsors taken away in the case of Sword and Scale is what I'm talking about. I've just mm. heard the way she acts online is really atrocious and not becoming to a lawyer. I would think that would violate some of her. Some of the things, you know, I, I would think that she could get some kind of admonishment for that but it just seems like she goes uncriticized the most people say about her is like oh she's really tough don't don't te you know don't get her teeth like pissed off like peeved, right? you know peeved or right exactly like full of piss and vinegar like every euphemism is used for <laughs> for her. a horrible person who will attack anyone who she perceives is against her strangely and she strangely she's never gone after me that i know of yeah, and i feel a little left out on that what, right what's now. the story about her going after sword and scale i forgot what that guy's name was i actually interviewed him when i was at the ed <clears throat> right, um, right 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 right. it's not coming to my mind right now yeah. i'm sorry oh it's okay like i almost can see it but um it just i i think well he did an unfortunate tweet that was pretty misogynistic. Yeah, that's right. And she blamed it on that, but I'm not sure. I, I, I would say Rabia and her group, I know how these innocence campaigns work. They like to gather together and say, let's get this video taken down. Let's get, let's get this podcast or sponsors, whatever they have, they like to attack, you know, in, in, in mass so I've just so I would think that that was her doing. She was, you know, it was the biggest podcast going after him. Right. At the time. Yeah, I mean, it was only a few of us, you know, in the beginning. It was such an unpopular position. It's hard to imagine now. But in the beginning, yeah. it was like, I don't even know what the equivalent. I don't think there is an equivalent. He was so beloved. And because Sarah Koenig had started out calling everyone Adnan, 
I mean, calling Adnan Syed Adnan and everyone started doing it too. So he became Adnan, our buddy Adnan. Don't we want to free our buddy Adnan? And right. Heyman Lee was Heyman Lee with the teenage diary, like so average. I mean, there's just all sorts of ways she she diminishes and demeans Heyman Lee in it. It's really disgusting, but it's so like, for example, in the beginning of Serial, she talks about the Yurik, the prosecutor, putting his hands around a dummy's neck in closing arguments. And what you're made to think or what you what that's supposed to make you think is, oh, how outrageous, how over the top, sort of like a satanic panic feeling, the right, same kind right. of thing. Like these like this is theatrics hard, and yeah, these thea unnecessary theatrics people. when they have the wrong guy all, to begin with all along. Right. That's what we're. But right. you think about all the people that researched this case. And in the beginning, Rabia Chaudhry wanted to just release the transcripts bit by bit for a price to fans, which I thought was also really atrocious. She never did. But that was an idea she had at one point. But eventually the Redditors bought the transcripts and, and, and then the case files and it was all released. It's all public. And when people started reading the case files and digging in, minds turned. And that was the biggest yeah. change of, of among the people who are really serial fans. Now, the rest of the world... I don't know. I mean, these are like the devoted true crime fans. The rest of the world, I don't know what they think. It, you know, all these things like that photo op for Adnan on the courthouse steps, just being walking down the courthouse steps to cheers. That is made to make you think that the whole world is celebrating. And what's wrong with right. you? Right. It's a celebration out. They have that same video, the West Memphis Street. It's the same phenomenon right across the board, making a murderer. West Memphis Three, Adnan Syed. It's the difference between this kind of public propaganda and actual seeing the court cases. It changed everybody's minds. That's really it. Once you start reading the court case of the West Memphis Three or what happened to Avery, it's like this guy's guilty as hell. Like they're all they're they were found totally justly guilty. So it's something about the will of these people to make these things. Like I think, I mean, I don't know Koenig, but she's from NPR, right? It's it's public radio. This American life is public radio. So their whole worldview is like, oh, the big bad state, you know, is up against the little guy. So maybe that she just went into this case with that mindset. Like, oh, well, I think just I think Justin Brown, who was Adnan Syed's lawyer back then. Apparently, according to Adnan, told him that that Sarah Koenig would not be doing serial. This is before it, it really went into motion. If she did not think Adnan was innocent. Oh, wow. So she and went you in can with hear that. Wow. Right. Wow. And you can hear that because who else, when you see a note, so Heyman Lee writes a breakup note and Adnan Syed writes on it, I'm going to kill. Who else looks at that and thinks that's not significant that this heartbroken ex-boyfriend Pride was heard and started a plan in his mind, a murder of his ex-girlfriend because she was dating someone else who she was madly in love with, according to her diary. How is that? I mean, who else says, oh, that's just a detail you'd find in a detect in a cheesy detective novel? Who else who knows anything about 
true crime. And then the other thing she does is everything around <laughs> one thing she does. She goes, uh, I think it's Aisha. She says, no one, no people. I talked to many people who felt that Adnan was very possessive and pushy and never let Hay alone. Essentially, those are my words, not Sarah Koenig's. And then she talks to, I believe it's Aisha. And she says, Aisha was one of those people, but she could never point to anything specific. Okay. Cut to Aisha saying, Adnan was like everywhere. When we'd have a girl's night, he'd show up unwanted. He just like, you know, if we did this, he'd show up on one. She had like five examples, right? <laughs> to like five examples that she gives right. of Adnan not taking no for an answer, showing up where he's not wanted. Okay. And that's one of the biggest signs or precursors to being in, in a really unhealthy relationship is when your boyfriend or girlfriend won't respect your boundaries. Right. And right. and when you're having a girl's night, show up. I don't care what they show up with. If I'm having a girl's night, don't, you know, I don't want to see you. And I think most right. women feel like that. But no doubt. Because- it would be creepy. It would be creepy. And like she him and Lee was trying to like ask her teacher, don't tell him I'm here. Like there was something like that. I remember. Right. Ms. Schwab. She was calling her on the phone saying, Can you hide me from Adnan? So right. and you you wouldn't ask a teacher that unless you were really concerned. So Heyman Lee had to have been scared of him, yeah. Scared. And, you know, even if she wasn't scared, at minimum, she saw him as a pest that she needed help to get rid of. Right. So at minimum, if you're looking at that, but as someone who's been trained by Gavin DeBecker's company and this kind of stuff, that is a big, like, big red flag. And for Sarah Koenig to normalize that, I mean, just look up any... You know, I did. I did before my first show about the breakup. I looked up on every sort of what what are the signs, you know, uh, of inner of of a relationship that's going to turn violent, and every single one of them was not respecting boundaries. Every single one of them, in in one form or another, in one language or the other. So how and with her, it's normalized, and not only just normalized, it's used to make Adnan look good. Oh, he showed up with, so he showed up to girls night with carrot cake and Heyman Lee thought it was romantic because she's what, seven, what was she? 18, 18, 18, I think 18, 19 at the time and didn't know better. I think 18, 17 or 18 at the time. And she didn't know better. I think she was 18. Yeah. Didn't know better. You don't know at that age. You're not, unfortunately we're not, educating girls about this kind of stuff right no we were the people just aren't as astute as like these things people who are older who've studied these you know people getting murdered or harassed or horrible stuff like they the older people know the signs the younger people may not know them as well but unfortunately he and lee didn't know them as well it cost her her life yeah it's it's really it's it's i i just it, it's these sagas on the public mind are just such like uh an unnecessary, unnecessary burden by all of these people promoting their careers and their lives. And the money factor on serials, enormous, 100 million downloads. Think about all the ads played on that, like a billion ads. Uh, and a Peabody. I mean, yeah. shameful. I mean, what is like, and, right. And the MacArthur um, Foundation that, that funds this American life is very into these kind of restorative justice innocence project type groups 
funding them. So they, you know, they know where their, their bread is buttered. It comes from this kind of thing. But I, I don't, I mean, the difference between that movement is that they're all on board with this idea that, that these kind of DAs that Marilyn Mosby is and George Gascone in LA who thought up this idea, which I'm about to explain. Chesa Boudin, right. All these. So Chesa, so George Gascone and, and George Soros, the two Georges had this idea to put in DAs that would do the bidding of the defense. So it's like saying we're, we have, we're sick of, we have a basketball team. We're sick of losing. We're just going to, from now on, we're going to just have both teams put the basket in one side of the court. And we're right. just, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> and we're going to play for one team. It's going to be one team, the, you know, pro criminal team. That's what it, that's, there's nobody. So we have two defense attorneys talking to each other in court. There's no one representing the victim and there's no one representing the people of the state. And, and it's terrible. Right. And you just posted that guy. There's another case out of Baltimore who they let out and he literally went out and raped and killed somebody. Right. I forgot. Oh, it was name. worse than that. It was worse, worse than that, because now they think before he did that, he killed this beloved uh, Pava LaPere was her name, beloved member oh, yeah. of the community. She was a tech person. And I wish I right. knew more about tech, tech and know a little bit about, yeah. right, know what she was actually doing. But she was really beloved, even by the mayor knew knew her. But before he did that, he he tortured some people, a couple, and burned them alive. And they're fighting for wow. their life in a burn unit right now. And as someone who's spent a lot of time in a burn unit, it, it that is grim. It, it's so grim most family members and friends don't visit. They just can't take it. So it's too intense. Yeah. Right. Too is one of the worst things you can do. And I think people know that instinctively without me telling them, but if they make it and, and they're fighting for their lives is the last I heard. If they make it, they, it's just, it's PTSD. Um, I don't know how badly they're burned. You know, I would assume very badly multiple surgeries it's just a long recovery it's a night it's just a nightmare if they if they even will make it so wow. yeah his name was jason Very, billingsley arrested in murder of baltimore tech ceo pava la pair so right that's from today so right they, he, he got out of this so-called restorative justice stuff yeah. right so marilyn mosby commuted his or or shortened his sentence from a 30-year sentence to doing just seven years and he was a repeat violent offender i mean this is just he was on this he was on the sex offenders registry this is just absolutely not someone any one of us would look at and say oh this is a candidate for parole but right. for marilyn mosby see what they're trying to do is end mass what they call mass incarceration so they they look at our country and they say why do we have so many people in prison and they right. first started letting out the drug offenders. Not my issue. <laughs> I'm not going to have any opinion really, on that. Right. Yeah. right. Well, I, I do. Don't I don't think that any drug offender should be in, in jail. Actually, right. It's a waste of time. It's, it's, it's just not something, phone, yeah. you know, I'm going to have a knee jerk opinion about anymore because I've got so burned having knee jerk opinions in my life <laughs> before I looked into it further. I don't know. I, it seems on the surface like 
a, a thing that may be good. I don't know. But then, then they were like, well, there's still so many people incarcerated and especially they're people of color. Right. So how are we going to end this mass incarceration of just because we have so many people, more people in prison than any other country, but we're also more violent than any, than a lot of other countries and bigger. Yeah. And so history of violence. So now their solution is to not prosecute anyone and to just let the, and let people go very early and what they are working towards. And this is why I think so many people who've been in for 20 years get these big movements behind them is they don't want anyone for any reason to do more than 20 years. That's what they're, that's that's their reforms. That's their reforms. And they're terrible. They're ending up in people getting hurt and murdered. This guy, a man and woman critically injured, just that was on September 19th. So 10 days ago. And then he goes Mm -hmm. and rapes this young woman, Pavel Lepera, allegedly. Um, So that's just one example of many. I mean, these reform movements and these DAs, I grew up kind of in San Francisco, around San Francisco, and they destroyed the whole city. Nobody wants to invest there. Nobody wants to even have a shop. And it used to be kind of a a city of like small shopkeepers who could make a living selling whatever, coffee, art. It's gone. It's it's like a neutron bomb hit it. It's unbelievable. It's not just COVID. It's just that Mm -hmm. people are not going to invest and everything's moved out because they just let the robbers go. You know, it's crazy. It's so crazy that this is happening. These people have no understanding of human history. It's mm -mm. bizarre. Mm -mm. It's bizarre, and and they don't seem to have the same reaction we have to these stories. Yeah, no, they don't. Right? They'll say publicly, we got to get tough, but with what laws? They can only get as tough as the law allows. And are you in the, are you in, is George Gascon your DA? Or are you in a different area? Yes. Well, you have a really good uh, person, John McKinney, running for DA. Highly recommend everyone in L.A., to vote for him uh who's running for da against george gascon he was someone who got demote like demoted by george gascon for speaking out against his pro-criminal policies and george gascon just pulled him from his from his position and reassigned him to a much low level you know surprised i'm not surprised at all not surprised at all but yeah, yeah no it's a disaster here like they just yeah it hasn't hit the level of San Francisco, but like what's really gross is like some of these people who are the mayors, they don't care. London Bream's out partying and she's making $400,000 a year whilst the whole city of San Francisco goes down the toilet. It's literally a fourth right. world country. It's not a third world country. It's like Mad Max. Right. Like you, you can just go on social media. Like here, I, I follow some people there. There was 50 cars stolen in Oakland every day. They're driven mm-hmm. to San Francisco, then the people rob, then they go back to Oakland. It's just like, it's crazy. And it's all part of this whole innocence fraud thing and the larger culture. And right. most of these like, actually being tried on in November too, by the way. Right. And she's being torture. tried on fraud. So right. you would think that they just had, uh, they just subpoenaed her records to find out where her funding for her trial. So basically she raised some money for her defense and they were trying to find out who donated and there's no names, but you do get to see the location and a lot of money's coming from 
California looks like blue states funding oh, okay. her. Very interesting. Yeah. So, wow. yeah. It's, so it's gonna... what, what do you, th what do you, th what's on the horizon? What do you think will happen next with the whole ad and science? Well, I'm going to ask you. So I thought this do over was going to be in the circuit court with the same people. No, it's going to be for Adnan Syed. It's going to be in the Supreme Court up against some of the same judges that that gave that 2019 very damning decision. I think it was something like four to three or five to four. Yeah, uh, we did a whole show on that, didn't we? Didn't we do a show right. on their decision? Yeah. Right. And so I, will I think tell he's, you, he's in trouble, I guess. I think he's in he's in massive trouble. Anytime you have to explain why this is explosive new evidence that proves his innocence, you're in big trouble because I haven't even heard the supporters say that. The, the, what they do is they say, well, a judge rubber stamped it. What, what does that mean? Like, well, someone else believed it. That doesn't mean anything. Like, tell me why. Alonzo Sellers or or Adnan. Actually, I'll agree with you that Adnan is an excellent suspect for <laughs> excellent new suspect for this. Or or the DNA on Heyman Lee's shoes proves that someone else did this. I have not even heard a supporter make a good argument. The only thing they say is, see, he's out now and it's rubber stamped by a judge. He went to court. But that kind of court hearing is basically just a formality. It's a formality so that he can walk down the courthouse steps and have his media moment. That is the innocence fraud cliche that's repeated again yes. and again and again in every single case. Very right? well said. Very well said. Yes. The cliche. The, the pictures of them coming out of court and it affects the public. Like they've got all the media there ready. He's innocent. He's out of court. Yay. You, I mean, do you have any idea how long these, is this going to be like one day or is this going to, they say it begins on, on the 5th of October, Thursday. Do you think this will go on multiple days? Is this going to I be like. I don't think like so. A, it's usually there'll be a hearing in front of the Supreme court and then the Supreme court will draft, you know, sit down and, and draft their decision probably come out in a month. That's my, oh, so, my yeah. so their decision won't happen the same day. I think there'll be oh, a hearing okay. and then they'll make a decision. That's my guess. I mean, I, that's what I think. Honestly, I, I didn't look into exactly. I didn't even know the date that it was happening. So I'm glad you right. told me, but um, we should do another show once they come, come to a decision. I think he's I'm so curious what will yeah. go on in this hearing. I'm, I, I don't know if it, it looked like, I don't know if it's going to broadcast. It looked like one hearing was taped and, and broadcasted and Adnan played it to try to humiliate Steve Kelly. I mean, it's just so obvious that Adnan has so much hatred and resentment still towards Heyman Lee and her family and loves revictimizing anyone who stood up for her, anyone who's helped her side. It, it just, he played a part of this hearing where Steve Kelly was asked some tough questions and didn't have really great answers. That's what it looked like from the clip. I didn't watch, you know, I haven't watched the entire thing in its entirety. But that's what it looked like from the clip. And that's it happens in court. But he did that so that the public will think he's a terrible person and that he's doing something nefarious. It was all I mean, he's been working. Adnan Syed has been working with Marty Tankliff at Georgetown University. Marty Tankliff, who was convicted and did 
many many years in prison for the murder of his adoptive parents, Arlene and Seymour Dankliff. He got his conviction overturned on a technicality. They couldn't retry him for his mother. It was so many years later, witnesses had died. You know, it's just uh, Andrew Cuomo wrote a decision about why they weren't retrying him. And he said he should not be seen. This should not be seen as an admission of innocence. And he deserves no money. Cut to, I think he got 10, I want to say three. I think it's like $10 million altogether, 3.3 million from one and something else from another, you know, whatever they. Disgusting. What's he doing at Georgetown? He's there with another mass murderer, Anthony Fauci. What's he doing at Georgetown? Is he teaching? (laughs) Yeah, he's teaching. He's leading kids. He's teaching them how to solve, solve crime. So he's, oh, geez. he's, have, he's leading classes again? into this innocent stuff, the same stuff that got oh, Anthony Porter out of, out of prison in Chicago. Right. And they put, and that the same type of, same type of class that hired someone who coerced all story Simon into a false confession and did many years, 15 years unnecessarily for that. But the, and, and at one time they were both on the National Registry of Exonerations. I love that. And when I pointed it out, it seems to, <laughs> I'm sure maybe someone else did too, but it seemed to have, have uh, they seem to have corrected that when I pointed it out. Wow, that's so. just, it's just unbelievable. Like I, these, these, and the gullibility of some of the people too is, uh, shocks the conscience like why the hell is going on do you know if sarah koenig in serial did she include any interviews with the victim's relatives in any way shape or form she said she asked Heyman lee's family they declined to participate but hmm. I, you know i don't i you know i, I guess I, and i can understand why but i don't think they had many p anyone really speak up uh, from her immediate family that I remember. Does anyone in the chat remember uh, that? Not that off the top of my head. I'm just working my way through it. So again, for maybe the third time, and I don't remember that. But she's really I know they had a family friend speak out in the case against Adnan Syed, which was the HBO Amy Berg. Thing. And a lot, there had been so much criticism. Excuse me, I have to cough. Hold on. Yeah, no problem. <clears throat> so much criticism of Serial for leaving Heyman Lee out and for the way she was treated in that, and the way, and it, by her total absence, really, except for a few clips from her friends, she's really absent from Serial totally. That they right. included her diary, they did this animation, but it was even worse, in my opinion, because that it her diary was used as ammunition to free her killer, and I found right. that very distasteful right. and disgusting. Right. So, and that's yeah, disgusting. You know, I think the entirety of Serial is disgusting. Just like making a murder, yeah. it's disgusting. And all three of the West Memphis Three documentaries and West of Memphis, these are disgusting enterprises. Like how they get started and how this kind of trick and how it poisons the public mind. I mean, overall, it's just like a dumpster fire of uh, deception and prevarication and manipulating the facts and, and ignoring the victims, really. Like they never, mm-hmm. you know, 
They never go. It's awful. Yeah, it's awful. It's awful. Maybe I'll maybe I'll go over Jay Wilde's interviews on the Intercept because they are really very illuminating as to how he felt about Sarah Koenig and her lack of transparency about what she was doing. He asked her for her business card and she said, I left it in my car. And she comes back with a business card without her name on it. With just so weird. Uh, I find that so odd. What do you I mean, think her goal was? Even I what do you think her goal was with yeah. him was to just make him make his testimony look um, terrible, like just like like discredit him? In the public right. Room? I think that they yeah. were hoping that the public would think that Jay himself did it and get outraged. Uh, but the bigger, the bigger, the bigger goal of Serial was not just to free Adnan Syed. It was to get the public, get the idea that our legal system is terrible, right. unfair, right. and that the just and that there are wonderful people in prison and that were in there just because they couldn't remember an ordinary ordinary day six weeks after they were asked. First of all, he wasn't right. asked six weeks he, and it was not an ordinary day. And be, for many, many reasons, he lent his car, his cell phone out. He'd never done that before. Uh, he, to a guy he didn't know very well. It was his friend Stephanie's birthday. The cops called him asking where his ex-girlfriend was. That, and when he was high, that would make it memorable. So many different things would make that day memorable. And to try to sort of float out this Elizabeth Loftus, she's the memory expert that as testified right. for Robert Durst and awesome. beloved by the Innocence Project and uh, expert who's beloved by the Innocence the Project. False memories. Uh, false memory. Yeah. Right. False the, to push out this idea, right. Yeah. To push out this idea that it's just normal to have no memory and that you couldn't retrieve a memory or piece it together when you're in jail for 20 something years is absurd. And and we were all supposed to accept that because otherwise serial doesn't work. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Unless you normalize that, serial doesn't work. Right. There's so and many. That's the, I think that's that. that's the agenda, right? That's the kind of under subtext, the under the table Sobrosa agenda is to discredit a, a seemingly unjust system. Right? Would you agree exactly. with that? Exactly. Exactly. That's always the bigger goal. That's the bigger goal of making a murderer. I mean, if you listen to the making a murderer filmmakers, they say, oh, no, Stephen Avery wasn't it was we wanted to shed a shed light on the American justice system. And what's horrible as an American is the international people from all over the world watching nice. this and looking at our justice system like it's a kangaroo court. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I talked to Sean Reck. He said that interest in making a murder was international. Like tons of people were watching it, you know, millions and millions of people outside the country. And, and yet, so, but it's what's, what's disingenuous is their attack or their pointed attack against the system doesn't pick up on real injustices. It takes truly uh, people who are found guilty and rehabs them. So it's, it's, it's very twisted. So instead of going in and finding somebody unjustly, actually unjustly convicted they are actually mm -hmm. attacking a system that's trying it its best to work in the best interest right. 
right because their solution is to get more marilyn mosby's more chesa boudin's more right more alvin bragg's in into office to make it totally unfair and when that happens when our justice system collapses there will be no pleasure in saying i told you so that i've been screaming about this for the past five years it, it, that's pretty much the end of civilized society. Yeah. And I know most people don't have interaction, luckily, with our justice system, and that's a good thing, but it makes it more likely that people can lie about it because people, most people don't know. Most people don't, aren't in court. And the little interaction they have at court, it, it's maybe possible to imagine something nefarious going on. But imagination and actually proving that so many nefarious things have gone on. What's funny is someone, my friend said to me, well, it looks like you're by the end of, by the time the Innocence Project at all is done with their agenda on our justice system, you're going to agree with them that the justice system is totally unfair, right? Right. Right. They've made it unfair. So I might even agree in parts of our country now that it is unfair thanks to them, right? Right. But their assault is such a different thing. Like instead of trying to engage in reform or bolster the system or whatever, get more experts or fill it with more talented people there, they are going after it in the public uh, venue, the public forum, and then discrediting people who are working hard, like Ken Kratz. Like, I mean, they really character aside, made him the boogeyman or, or the girl woman from, um, the Central Park Five, I forgot her. Fair, fair child, Fairstein. Fairstein, so Linda like, Fairstein. Yeah, they made her look bad. She was a noble, honorable woman who was like revolutionized on, how yeah. we how we investigate sexually Sex motivated yeah. crimes in New York. Right. I mean, and, and and everywhere, I believe it was like wrote the handbook for it. Every woman should thank her. Instead, she's being at, thrown out of her charities, loses her publisher. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah, you know, Ken Kratz has been harassed. Jay Wilds has been harassed. You could say that that is warranted. He, you know, he was an accessory in that crime, but he, you know, whatever you think, our justice system works on the idea that if you fess up to what you did and help try to get some kind of resolution, just resolution to it, you're going to get less time than the person who lies about it, denies it, puts everyone through a trial unnecessarily i mean think about all the money that's been spent on from the state on trying adnan's case he had two trials right right. you know the first one was declared a a mistrial and then he had another one so you know i don't have a problem with that my problem is they should be saying let's get really good really good defense attorneys but what they're doing instead is let's let's make let's take DAs and make them really secretly be working for the other side. No one on this side would say, let's get Anand Syed a lawyer who would be working against his best interests. No one on this side. Right. Good point. Like the, that. That's that's the inj- that's the social injustice, not social justice, but the injustice is polluting these cases in the public mind, like just over and over again. Central Park Five, West Memphis Street, making a murder. I mean, that's that's embarrassing. A lot of these people are on the left, too. So I, I, I it's disgusting. I'm disgusted by all of it. We've done so many shows on that. Linda Fairstein, by the way, I think she got okay. Yeah, she had some kind of appeal. Yeah. Do you know about that? Yeah. I, 
not a lot just that it's okay that she's uh, she's got the green light to sue yeah, and those netflix lawyers netflix lawyers speaking of the ceo's wife of netflix which is often done like the wife will often donate to political cam campaigns to instead of the husband to make it look like unconnected but the netflix ceo's wife donated greatly to larry krasner's campaign one of these da's oh, wow. in philadelphia so there, I mean, it's not a it's not a coincidence that Netflix has a million ideologically aligned with the Innocence Project at all right, right. documentaries on its platform, right? Right. No, she got okay. This just happened within the last week, so that uh, she's going to go and sue. There, I think they're going to have to settle. My guess, but we did a show on that. People can go back and look at that. But yeah, so, it's just it's I, just an incredible time to like see this happen. I never would have thought there would be this kind of I don't think it's coordinated, but just so so many people attacking the legal system in this way in the public mind. It's uh it's I, a I, lot I, more I things know. we could be thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but they they think everything that you know what what's so sinister is that there's nothing to replace it with. So do you know what I mean? So they take down these statues and, and what what are they going to put up instead? It's just like empty space. So they all, all through New York, they've taken down these statues that they think are, you know, <laughs> because right. these people lived in a different time. Total, you know, these are the same people that argue that you have to understand, say, like the Black Panthers in context of their time or, or the Weather Underground or any of these people who got from social movements that got in trouble with the law that you have to understand them in context of their time, but not, they will argue that till they're blue in the face, but not to our founding fathers or to anyone who we've honored, right. who doesn't right. look great in today's looking from today's perspective back on. So there's nothing to replace it with. That's what's so sinister is that they're, yeah. they're going at full speed towards this utopia of get rid of all these traditions, get rid of, I mean, for example, just like one thing that, before we go, the Fetterman, they've changed the law in the Senate. So you, or the rules in the Senate, the law, the rules in the Senate. So you could, you didn't have to wear a suit. So Fetterman could walk around in his hoodies and, and shorts and stuff. And, and it's like, is that what we're, is that what you're replacing it with? We're going to have, Ca like our senators just like looking casual walking around <laughs> like everyone was like outraged you know what i mean like is that better like what they're like right. i don't see any of these things as like they feel regressive and there's just nothing to sort of replace these kind of traditions with so it's just sort of like it just looks like a mess it's a yeah. mess it's a mess new york you you have another problem with all those migrants too economic migrants mm -hmm. they're not uh running from prosecution but uh that's going to be an interesting what happens in new york city over the next year or two if they're not going to kick them out i mean they're illegal it, it's like incredible it feels <clears throat> lawless like it just yeah. feels lawless right now like if yeah. you say oh i'm going to call the cops i think people would laugh we yeah. just don't have enough cops to police everything i noticed that there's a lot of cops now on the subways looks like the mayor is putting a lot of cops because we had so many subway crimes, but it's just out of control. Like the amount of, of really dangerous and deranged people walking around is, is scary. And I know people who aren't taking the subway anymore. Good for them that they can do that. But 
not taking public transport transportation anymore because they're too frightened. When I said fourth world country about San Francisco, it's going to happen in all these cities. I'm literally talking like Mad Max because you're disincentivizing people from working. If the, if the system doesn't have their back, if the prosecutor is part of the innocence project, like you, the breakdown and the rule of law is going to be astonishing. It already is to me, but uh, yeah, it's just part of this larger cultural, you could call it a drift or whatever mm -hmm. away from uh, actual, actual like true justice. You know, they should, if the, the, yeah. It's, it really cracks me up when people criticize Biden for his tough on crime bill. Because how did we get to this tough on crime bill back in the early 90s? We got there from the same from trying out all these restorative justice stuff, not going this far, obviously. But there was the same idea. And we ended up with a massive spike in crime, revolving prison doors. And we're, we're trying it once again. It's just like we keep doing, we, 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 we're, we're like a, always a forward looking country and we hate to look back and we hate to be critical of ourselves until way, way, way later we can be critical. But when it's too near, it's like we can't learn from our past mistakes. It's just like we go careening forward doing the same thing. Right. No, I totally agree. I think there'll be a, just a return, uh, go head back of the pendulum, hopefully, because if not, it's just you're circling the, the toilet like these cities are in terrible shape oh Sandwich i can't wait to get out yeah. yeah my new introduction may be like you know live from an undisclosed, some, location. undisclosed location <laughs> country right i'm at least <laughs> 60 miles away from nyc right yeah <laughs> i dream of getting off off grid all the time considering all the stuff they're trying to do but, i know uh, seems so ideal it's great to Thank talk you with so you again yeah thanks for coming on or I'm on your show. I don't know whose show we're on, but we're, we're both <laughs> you're on, on my show. But it's good to talk good with to you again. Show. Yeah, good you've done so many you. shows. It's just amazing. Like you, you always end up. You always deliver all the shows, man. So good for you. You know so much more stuff than I do. Oh, but, that's uh, not true. Thank you. Can so people, much for people who are yeah, yeah, my pleasure. For people who are listening on my sh platforms, where can people find Roberta Glass? Um, I want to thank all the people who have been listening on podcast. Thank you so much. Um, on podcast, um, iTunes, any anywhere where you, Spotify, all the usual places, YouTube, Roberta Glass, True Crime Report. I'm also, where else, where else am I? I? You support me on Patreon for as little as $4.99 a month. You get a whole bunch of, of exclusive content and some other stuff as you go up in the tier. And I think that, oh, join my Facebook group. Come join the discussion. We're talking about some of the cases I talk about uh, on here, some not keep up to date on true crime from a victim's perspective. That is on my Facebook, Roberta Glass, True Crime Report. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. thanks for thanks for having me on. And for people you wanna, on your you side, plug? just WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. Yeah. You can go to my website. I have a new book about the Smiley Face Killers, and my podcast is William Ramsey Investigates. So it's great to talk with you again. Look how succinctly you did that. All right, thanks. <laughs> thanks, William Ramsey. I'm used to it. I'm over a 1,000 episodes, so I've done it a number of times. It ain't my first wow. time. All right, Roberta, take care. <laughs> you too. Bye. Okay, bye. You have All right. Good night, everyone. You have